Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the Gospel reading we just heard in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. We begin with a word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you great thanks for the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, there are so many things that seek to bind us and take away our freedom from us, but Lord, Jesus has set us free indeed, so teach us to live in that freedom, always trusting your promises. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. The reading we heard from the Gospel of John this morning, in which Jesus is interacting with a number of uh, the Jewish people there, always strikes me as, as kind of a funny reading. Not, not funny ha-ha, but it is kind of a, a, a tragically funny conversation. Jesus is, is talking there to these Jewish people, and he's talking to them about the freedom that he alone can give, telling them that if they trust in him, there is true freedom. This is what Jesus says. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is a wonderful promise from the Lord, but now the response of the Jewish people here is nothing short of amazing. They say to him, we are the offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? We are the children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone? I mean, I don't think you have to work too hard in reading the Old Testament to recognize that the Jewish people have been nothing but enslaved almost to everyone. It's like the exact opposite right here. The greatest salvation story in the history of the Bible up to the point of Jesus' coming is the account of the Exodus in which God sent Moses to rescue the Israelites from like a 400-year slavery in Egypt. They get out of Egypt and they get to the promised land and things are pretty good for like three or four chapters. But then you get to the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, the people are finding all kinds of new and creative ways to get themselves thrown into slavery. Then, of course, we have the Babylonian captivity in which Babylon comes in and wrecks Jerusalem and takes the people away and holds them in, in terrible captivity and horrifying slavery for 70 years. And then even on this day, when Jesus is speaking with the Jews, the Romans are occupying Jerusalem. Now, it's not exactly, exactly slavery as such, but the Romans are certainly not welcome over uh, for dinner, you know. So these Jewish people have had a history of being enslaved, and yet when Jesus offers them true freedom, they say, we've never been enslaved to anyone. And this demonstrates just a few things for us here this morning uh, that help us as we get into the text. These guys who are speaking with Jesus clearly didn't know their history, which means they clearly didn't know their Bible, which means they clearly didn't understand how they had been the recipients of God's constant saving work for his beloved people. And if they don't understand the gracious and saving work of God, they're not going to understand Jesus at all. They will end up rejecting Jesus, as we will soon see. They could never know true freedom because, you see, the reality is there is no true freedom apart from Christ Jesus. Jesus promises if, you, if the Son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. But it forces us to ask the question, what sort of freedom does Christ give? And that is a good question for us uh, to wrestle with, wrestle with and think about here today on this Reformation Sunday. Reformation Sunday is a day in the church here when we remember and meditate on and, and really celebrate that time in the 16th century uh, when the church was teaching all sorts of uh, oppressive and uh, uh, false teachings that were preventing people from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were losing the freedom. They were preventing the people from hearing about the freedom they have in Christ Jesus. And so when people like Martin Luther and, and Philip Melanchthon and, and the reformers there in Germany began to get back into the scriptures, what they found was a real freedom. Freedom that was theirs in Christ. But you see, we have this frustration or confusion, I should say, with the Jewish people. We had it with the church in the 16th century. And even up to today, there is a great amount of misunderstanding and misuse of this idea of freedom. And when we misunderstand it and we misuse it, that means our freedom is under attack. And our freedom in Christ is something worth fighting for. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of take a step back and think about how is it that we misunderstand our freedom in Christ and why is that dangerous for us and what sort of freedom does Christ actually give us? Now, because it is Reformation Sunday, I'm taking these ideas straight from Martin Luther. He is sort of a great author of the topic of Christian freedom. And these things, these points I'm bringing you today are actually coming from his great Galatians commentary, which is one of those things that I can't require you to read, but you're, you're getting a C if you haven't read it yet. Um, it is really one of the more remarkable things written in the history of the church. But here Luther says that there's two ways we misunderstand Christian freedom. The first way we misunderstand it is when we confuse it with what he calls political freedom. And the second way we misunderstand it is when we confuse it with what he calls demonic freedom. So first, let's look at this idea of political freedom. Political freedom is something we talk a lot about in our country. It's something we actually celebrate in our country. We have a whole day for it. It's called Independence Day. And we are blessed to live in a country that is politically free. In our nation, we see life, liberty, that is, that is the word, another word for freedom, and the pursuit of happiness as rights that belong to us. This is a good thing. We have the freedom of speech. Freedom of expression, freedom of religion, to name a few. And these are important freedoms, and they are good freedoms if you want a society and people in a society to thrive. To lose these would be a great tragedy. These things make for an excellent government when they are managed in the right ways, which we, of course, always do. Uh, but we cannot confuse political freedom with Christian freedom, or what we might call Christian freedom liberty. After all, think about it. In our country, you have the freedom of religion, which means you are free to worship in any way that your conscience feels led. You are free to go to any church. And this is a good thing uh, to a certain extent. I mean, think about this. It's nice to live in a country where you know you're not going to be burnt at the stake because you have the wrong view of the Lord's Supper. It does help you sleep better at night uh, living in a country like this. It's good to know we won't go to prison for our confession of faith. So that's good for a country. But think about this. Before God, there's no such thing as freedom of religion. 
As you stand before God, He doesn't give you options in being able to worship however you feel led. Worshiping however you feel led in your relationship with God is just another word for idolatry. And idolatry, if you're looking at the list, is the number one sin on the Ten Commandments. You don't have a freedom to worship however you want when it comes to God. There's only one God who can truly be worshipped. Everything else is blasphemy. And so, though we live in a country where we're free to worship however we see fit without going to jail, before God, there is judgment for those who worship falsely. Think of freedom of speech. Freedom of speech, again, is a good thing to know that you're free to express your views on what's happening happening politically without fear of the government. But when it comes to your faith, we are not free to say whatever we want about God. We have the word, and in a sense, we are bound to the Word of God. And we can't just make stuff up about God to make us more comfortable with it. You are bound to speak the truth. To not do that is to violate the second commandment, to misuse God's name. So we don't have those freedoms. Further, we must recognize that just because we have freedom in our country doesn't mean that those freedoms don't allow for sin. You think of freedom of speech, you're free to express your views on really anything. But when you when you slander and you harm and you abuse people with your words, you might be protected you know, under the laws of the land. But those are yet sins. I mean, you think about the horrible things that happen in our country under the umbrella of the freedom of speech. Pornographic material is allowed to be spread in our country because, you know, freedom of speech. And it allows for one of the most enslaving and evil sins that is poisoning our society. And in that freedom, that political freedom, there's an opportunity for more bondage to sin. Which leads then to our second misuse of freedom, what Luther calls the demonic freedom. And this is the idea that says you are free to sin. That because of Christ, you can just go ahead and do whatever you want without any fear. Well, this is not Christian freedom at all. This is demonic freedom. Martin Luther says it this way. Those who have this freedom obey neither God nor the laws, but do what they please. Demonic freedom by which the devil sets the wicked free to sin against God and man. This sort of demonic freedom that says it's okay for you to sin uh, is very prominent in our culture, only it goes under a different title. You can't just call something demonic freedom and think people are going to sign up for that. Uh, So in our culture, what we've called it is autonomy. Autonomy. And autonomy is a word that literally means I am a law unto myself. I decide what is right and wrong for me. I get to be the Lord of my own life. And in this way, you become your own law, your own ruler, your own God. The idea is we are told that our feelings in our hearts cannot be wrong or sinful. We can do whatever we want, be whoever we want. And once you do and are whoever you want to be, then you are truly free. Then you are truly happy. This is the lie that is poisoning our society right now. And now we see that people are told, do whatever you want, follow your own law, and you'll be happy. And what's happening? People are more uh, depressed and overwhelmed than ever. Our society is horribly burdened by life as a result of this lie. Here's the funny thing. We call this demonic freedom autonomy, being a law unto yourself. But one of the things we know from the scriptures is that the law can never set you free anyway. 
No law can set you free. Not even the good law, not even God's law can come and set you free. This is what we heard in the reading from Romans chapter 3 today. That the law of God is given to bind us to our sins, to expose our sins, to show us that we are guilty before a holy God. The law can't set us free so that if we try to become our own law unto ourselves, we're only making matters worse. Any laws, no matter who gives them or what form they take, always end up condemning us, judging us, and leaving us with no hope. It's exactly where the devil wants you to be. Freedom to sin, autonomy, is just another word for slavery. Our problem in our culture, and sometimes even in our own lives, is just like the Jews in the text. We don't understand our freedom because we don't understand the things that we are bound to. We don't understand our slavery. We look at the things that enslave us and we say, oh look, but that's my freedom. So much of what we're calling freedom is the very slavish thing that binds us from God. It's the very thing which God in his law judges and condemns. See, apart from Christ Jesus, you and I are enslaved to sin to the law. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Jesus is saying, apart from me, because of your sin, you are bound. You are enslaved to sin and constantly do what sin says. You are therefore bound to the judgment of the law, which calls you guilty and gives you the verdict of death. You are enslaved to sin, to death, and all of this at the pleasure of the devil who is your slave driver. That is your situation. Apart from Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, you are not apart from Christ. You are not apart from Christ, but you are in Christ. You are baptized. Which means... That the Son has set you free indeed. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so what has the Son, what has Jesus set you free from? He has set you free from sin and from the law. He has set you free from judgment and death. He has set you free from the devil and the world. Christ has set you, yes, you, free. This is how it works. The uh, sin binds you and I to God's judgment, which says you are guilty. But Christ has freed you from that because he's come and he's taken your sins away from you. Everything you've done wrong, everything you've said wrong, everything you've thought wrong, your sinful condition, Jesus comes and takes that away from you and he takes it unto himself and he takes all the credit for it. So that when the law comes looking for someone to judge, when the, the law comes looking for someone to accuse, they can it only can find Jesus who hangs on the cross, taking the blame for everything you and I have ever thought, done, and said, taking the blame for our sinful condition. The law throws all of its accusations and judgments at Christ, and he takes them, paying the price for your sins and setting you free from them. Your sins are no longer counted against you. For they were counted against Jesus completely. So Paul writes, there's now no condemnation for you since you are in Christ Jesus. 
He took all the condemnation away. There's none left. There's no more judgment. Which means that death can't hold you any longer. Because death is the consequence from the law for sin. But Jesus died that death already. So for you, death is but a pleasant sleep from which you will arise and live with Christ forever. Death can't hold you. The law, for the law has been satisfied in Christ so that when the law looks at you now, all it can say is, I find no sin here. You are righteous. You shall live. The law searches and finds no more sin, for Christ has taken it all away. He has set you free indeed. So that, no matter what sort of country you live in, whether you have freedom of religion or you are uh, enslaved in a country, no matter how the world lies to you and tries to lie to your flesh and draw you back into sin, and no matter what sort of sinful life you have lived, no matter what you have done, no matter what you have done in secret or been caught doing, no matter what it is, Christ has freed you from all. You are forgiven account of his shed blood. Because of Jesus Christ, you and I are free indeed. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we give you thanks for the freedom we have in your Son, Jesus. That there is no condemnation for us who have faith in your Son. Lord, teach us to trust him more and more. Help us to know this freedom, to rejoice in this freedom. To go and sin no more. We ask this in Jesus' name.